Good afternoon, this is Caleb Arndt with the Walk with God podcast and YouTube channel, and we're going to be reading for this Wednesday, June 10th, Psalm 128, 1 Kings chapter 7, verses 1 through 51, Proverbs chapter 16, verses 31 through 33, and then Acts chapter 7, verse 30 through 50. Before we get started, though, let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you, Lord God, for your word and for your truth. Thank you for the history that you have revealed to us, that you showed us what has happened when the world began and what has happened and what you did and what you promised when you began forming and uh, raising up the nation of Israel to bring your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to this world, manifest in the flesh, God himself, to pay the price for our sins, to conquer death and hell, to bring victory over sin, and to give us eternal life. Lord, help us, I pray now, both to be saved, to trust in our salvation, to trust in you, that you have paid the price for all of our sins, and there's no other way to be saved but through Jesus Christ, and there's no other way to have life, life eternal, and relationship with you except through the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to uh, live through that now. Help us to accept you. Help us to now uh, grow in our salvation, to grow in our relationship with you, to not just be baby Christians or children Christians, but to grow into maturity and adulthood, being sanctified in the body and Uh, showing others how they can be saved, showing others how to best live this Christian life, live this time that we have on this earth, and to love one another, and to love each other, to love other people, and even to love them when they're not lovely, or when they're not doing the right things, or when they're being mean, or hurtful, or persecutive. Lord, help us to be loving. Help us to show your love, I pray, and help the the people of America to be revived again. There's so much uh, rioting or problems or hurt or things going on, Lord. We pray for healing and we pray for revival. We pray that the Bible be taken as the stand and the principles and the virtues of America again. We pray that you would revive the hearts of the people to be drawn to you. Please call to their hearts and their minds. We pray for all of our missionaries, our evangelists, our all Christians, really. I pray, Lord, that they would have a heart for souls, for showing people that they are lost without you and that you are the only way to be saved and have eternal life and to escape hell. Lord, help us to do your will, I pray, and please heal this. And Father, we also pray for those that are hurting, those that are fighting against the coronavirus or the flu virus, or those that are fighting against cancer today, like Joel and Scarlett and Brother Ken in New York, and Grandpa Napuanoa, Grandpa Delano, Mrs. Lacombe's sister, and uh, Leela, and all those that are fighting against cancer. We pray for their healing, Lord, that you would touch their hands, touch their hearts and their bodies, and restore them to full health. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, turning to Psalm 128, we're going to read from this psalm. It says, A psalm, a song of degrees. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children, like olive plants, round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and that thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace upon Israel. 
And this is a, an amazing blessing and promise unto the people of Israel. This is a song of degrees, which was a song that they would sing and they would chant as they were approaching and pilgrimaging and journeying to Jerusalem for the three different feasts throughout the year. And they would sing these songs and remember and remind themselves and teach them to their children to teach them about the blessings of God, the faithfulness of God, the truth and the honor and the glory. And they would praise God and this is a blessing that, blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. And we look back to Psalm number one, blessed is that man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly or in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful and scorns other man, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And this is a blessing, blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. This Psalm 128 is stating in the first very verse, and we see the blessings that come along with that, the blessings of the Lord, that his wife shall be blessed and be fruitful and they shall bear children and the man shall be blessed that feareth the Lord in verse 4 the Lord shall bless thee out of Zion and shall see the good of Jerusalem so you'll be able to continuously have long life and uh, regular uh, lifetime and lifespan to be able to continue to praise the Lord and come to Jerusalem and uh, journey and walk and keep your body healthy and you'll even see your children's children you'll see your grandchildren you won't die early and peace be will be upon Israel. Now that's not guaranteeing that there won't be hardship, that there won't be people who do die early that are good servants of the Lord and that do well and follow after him, but we see that uh, the comparison of the, the great number of people who follow after the Lord, walk in his ways, apply his principles to their lives by his virtues, they have a average longer lifespan. They have uh, greater numbers of their families that are continuously walking and following after the Lord and doing the right things. They are the ones that are not filling their families with uh, things and thoughts and um, like words and cursings and vengeful sayings or fornications and bad sayings and bad uh, ideas that will bring curses upon their family and will divide the family and uh, send them out into the ways of the world and evil, but are bringing their family in, unifying them, uh, securing them in love and in patience and goodness and obedience and faithfulness to God and the Lord being faithful to them as well. And we see that that reflects in all of their lifespans, in, in a uh, generation by generation lineage of spiritually seeking the Lord in his spirit and in his truth. The ways of those and the lifespans of those that follow after evil may be shortened and have evil things happen to them. Now this is to say that the evil and wickedness or wicked things are the direct consequence of sin that the Lord is punishing people, but we do know that the Lord chastens his children. He will not uh, bless the his children that are follow not following after him and they're following after the ways of this world and so we see in the comparison between those two life paths and life choices that people make every single day and that they can turn from and repent from every single day and that uh, those uh, repeated choices that they make uh, create long-term consequences, especially if those long-term consequences are chosen every single day as well. 
But we know that we can follow after God. We can choose, no matter where we are now, to turn to him and follow after him. And that is true repentance. Repentance from the heart, following after God from wherever you are, turning to him and following him. Now, we're going to read from 1 Kings chapter 7 today, 1 through 51, and it says, But Solomon was building his own house thirteen years, and he finished all his house. He built also the house of the forest of Lebanon. The length thereof was an hundred cubits, and the breadth thereof fifty cubits, and the height thereof thirty cubits, upon four rows of cedar pillars, with cedar beams upon the pillars. And it was covered with cedar above the, upon the, the beams that lay on forty-five pillars, fifteen in a row, and there were windows in three rows, and light was against light in three ranks and all the doors and posts were square with the windows and light was upon was against light in three ranks and he made a porch of pillars the length thereof was 50 cubits and the breadth thereof 30 cubits and the porch was before them and the other pillars and the thick beam were before them then he made a porch for the throne where he might judge even the porch of judgment and it was covered with cedar from one side of the floor to the other and his house where he dwelt had another court within the porch which was of the like work Solomon made also an house for Pharaoh's daughter, whom he had taken to wife, like unto this porch. All these were of costly stones, according to the measures of huge stones, sawed with saws, within and without, even from the foundation unto the coping, and so on the outside toward the great court. And the foundation was of costly stones, even great stones, stones of ten cubits, and stones of eight cubits, and above were costly stones, after the measures of huge stones and cedars. And the great court round about was with three rows of huge stones, and a row of cedar beams, both for the inner court of the house of the Lord, and for the porch of the house. And King Solomon sent and fetched Hiram out of Tyre. He was a widow's son of the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was a man of Tyre, a worker in brass, and he was filled with wisdom and understanding and cunning to work all works in brass and he came to king solomon and wrought all his work for he cast two pillars of brass of eighteen cubits high apiece and a line of twelve cubits did compass either of them about and he made two chapiters of molten brass to set it upon the tops of the pillars the height of the one chapiter was five cubits and the height of the other chapiter was five cubits and nets of checker work and wreaths of chain work for the chapiters which were upon the top of the pillars seven for the one chapiter and seven for the other chapiter and he made the pillars in two rows round about upon the one network to cover the chapiters that were upon the top with pomegranates and so did he for the other chapiter and the chapiters that were upon the top of the pillars were of lily work in the porch four cubits and the chapiters upon the two pillars had pomegranates also above over against the belly which was by the network and the pomegranates were two hundred in rows round about upon the other chapiter and he set up the pillars in the porch of the temple and he set up the right pillar and called the name thereof jachin and he set up the left pillar and called the name thereof Boaz. And upon the top of the pillars was lily work. So was the work of the pillars finished. And he made a molten sea ten cubits from the one brim to the other. It was round all about, and his height was five cubits. And a line of thirty cubits did compass it round about. And under the brim of it round about there were knops compassing it, ten in a cubit, compassing the sea round about. The knops were cast in two rows when it was cast. It stood upon twelve oxen, 
three looking toward the north, and three looking toward the west, and three looking toward the south, and three looking toward the east, and the sea was set above upon them, and all their hinder parts were inward. And it was in hand breadth thick, and the brim thereof was wrought like the brim of a cup, with flowers of lilies, it contained two thousand baths, and he made ten bases of brass, four cubits was the length of one base, and four cubits the breadth thereof, and three cubits the height of it. And the work of the bases was on this manner. They had borders, and the borders were between the ledges, and on the borders that were between the ledges were lions, oxen, and cherubims, and upon the ledges there was a base above, and beneath the lions and oxen were certain additions made of thin work, and every base had four brazen wheels, and plates of brass, and the four corners thereof had undersetters, and under the lair were undersetters molten at the side of every addition, and the mouth of it within the chapiter and above was a cubit, but the mouth thereof was round after the work of the base, a cubit and a half, and also upon the mouth of it were gravings with their borders four square, not round. And under the borders were four wheels, and the axle trees of the wheels were joined to the base, and the height of a wheel was a cubit and half a cubit. And the work of the wheels was like the work of a chariot wheel. Their axle trees and their knaves and their fellows and their spokes were all molten. And there were four undersetters to the four corners of one base, and the undersetters were of the very base itself. And in the top of the base was there a round compass of half a cubit high, and on the top of the base the ledges thereof and the borders thereof were of the same. For on the plates of the ledges thereof and on the borders thereof he graved cherubims, lions, and palm trees, according to the proportion of every one in additions round about. After this manner he made the ten bases, all of them had one casting, one measure, and one size. Then made he ten lavers of brass, one laver contained forty baths, and every laver was four cubits, and upon every one of the ten bases one laver, and he put five bases on the right side of the house, and five on the left side of the house, and he set the sea on the right side of the house eastward over against the south. And Hiram made the labors, and the shovels, and the basins, so Hiram made an end of doing all the work that he made King Solomon for the house of the Lord. The two pillars, and the two bowls of the chapiters that were on the top of the two pillars, and the two networks to cover the two bowls of the chapiters which were upon the tops of the pillars, and four hundred pomegranates for the two networks, even two rows of pomegranates for one network to cover the two bowls of the chapiters that were above the pillars, and the ten bases, and ten lavers on the bases, and one sea, and twelve oxen under the sea, and the pots, and the shovels, and the basins, and all the vessels which Hiram made to King Solomon for the house of the Lord were of bright brass. In the plain of Jordan did the king cast them, in the clay ground between Succoth and Zarthan. And Solomon left all the vessels unweighed, because they were exceeding many, neither was the weight of the brass found out. And Solomon made all the vessels that pertained unto the house of the Lord, the altar of gold, and the table of gold, whereupon the showbread was, and the candlesticks of pure gold, five on the right side, and five on the left, before the oracle, with the flowers, and the lamps, and the tongs of gold, and the bowls, and the snuffers, and the basins, and the the spoons, and the censers of pure gold, and the hinges of gold, both for the doors of the inner house, the most holy place, and for the doors of the house, to wit, of the temple. So was ended all the work that King Solomon made for the house of the Lord. And Solomon brought in the things which David his father had dedicated, even the silver, and the gold, and the vessels did he put among the treasures of the house of the Lord. In First Kings chapter 7, we see that Solomon 
it provides for all of his house, and the Lord provides for Solomon, for all of his house, the ability to create a house. And not just a normal house, not just a house that he and his family can live in, kind of like the uh, the rest of the houses that were made in this day, of kind of like a clay-like brick that would be uh, possibly then also have a covering of kind of clayish type stucco, almost like plaster, that would be plastered along the stones of the walls of all of these houses, which would help keep the homes kind of cool during the heat of the day, and also would be able to be scraped and to be replastered if it was necessary to do so, whether for uh, disease or for if there was some wrong colors or something, or if additions were needed to be made to the house and windows and openings and things like that. But Solomon, he built a house that was made of pillars and of uh, cedar wood and planked in this cedar wood throughout it, which was very costly and expensive for all of his house. And not only did he build one for himself, but he also built one for Pharaoh's daughter, who he had married in a political alliance. And so we see that all of Solomon's houses were built then, and they were also laid with costly stones for some of the porches and some of the areas that he would then uh, produce judgment or say and speak judgment on any of the cases that he would hear that the people of Israel would bring to him. Then we also see that King Solomon hired someone who was very skilled in casting brass and able to create all of the utensils that would be required for uh, the work in the sanctuary and in the temple and outside the temple in the outer court of the temple as well. And this was Hiram of Tyre. He was. Uh, it was noted that he was a widow's son of the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was a man of Tyre. And so this was a half-Israelitish man, but. Solomon brought him because he was especially skilled in all of these types of things that Solomon was looking for. And it notes all of these different utensils and tools and especially noting the some of the biggest things that he made, such as the two giant pillars, which were called, named Boaz and Jachin, and a giant sea that held 2,000 baths. And this was a giant uh, type of just giant bowl that would hold all of the water that was necessary to cleanse all of the different tools or cleanse and use for the ceremonial kind of cleansing of the priest's hands before he would make sacrifices or to wash the inner parts of the animals and before they would be offered as a sacrifice unto the Lord. And so these were very important tools. And then all of the tools that would be necessary for removal of all of the ashes and for all of the smaller uh, seas or the smaller kind of bowls that would be used on carts to also move around in this outer sanctuary and court so that they didn't have to all just go and congregate in one location. And all of the different gold uh, materials, all the different hinges, the, the candlesticks for the temple of the Lord, and everything that was needed to worship God in holiness and in glory, truly glorifying and honoring God with the very best that they could give and the very best that they could create for the Lord. And this was all put into the house of the Lord and in the outer uh, temple or the outer court of the temple. And 
Then also Solomon brought in all of the things that David his father had dedicated, even the silver and the gold and the vessels. So all of the treasures that David had collected over the years after he had won military victory after military victory and collected all these treasures and dedicated them unto the Lord, now they were brought and stored in the house of the Lord. This would have been an amazingly large amount of gold and silver and treasures that are just dedicated to the Lord to glorify, honor Him. And we see a principle, an example here, that we should give the Lord our very best as well. He asks for the first fruits of all that we have, the best of our heart and of our mind, to serve the Lord with all of our heart and with all of our mind, and the first fruits of all of our increase. That includes our paychecks. And that means that we should... Uh, create our tithe and our offering unto the Lord, and a tithe being 10% of everything that we increase, whether that is every two weeks, every one week, every month, whatever that is, that 10% of that is a tithe, and the offering, then any additional amount past that 10%. Now, turning to the book of Proverbs, we're going to read from chapter 16, verses 31 through 33 tonight. And it says, The hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. And so we see that the hoary head is a crown of glory, is referring to the gray hair of age. And so those men that are growing in their age and in the experiences that they have had throughout their life, attaining the wisdom of years, that gray hair that they gain that is of a natural occurrence and when they get to that older age to the point where almost all of their head is white and gray then that is a crown of glory it says and that crown of glory is something that all of the younger men and all of the other people and men around them can look at and see that this is a man that has been through a lot he has seen he a lot of things he has experienced much throughout his life and this gray hair is a testament to that but but it qualifies this statement also by the second part of it, if it be found in the way of righteousness. And so if this man has been righteous, if this man has been doing the right things and experiencing the consequences of wrong and then turning unto the Lord and repenting of the wrong and going and following after the Lord, and if this crown of glory is found on a man that is following after the Lord with all of his heart and is dedicated to making his life choices based on the principles of the Lord, then this is a crown of glory found in righteousness that honors this man and those that are looking upon it should listen to his words that he speaks and we also see in verse 32 then that he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he is he that ruleth his spirit is better than he than that taketh a city and so this is uh, a comparison of somebody who is very quick to anger and slow to anger. And so he that's slow to anger is better than a strong man or a man that can destroy things easily with his hands or his feet or with weapons of warfare or with tools of destruction. And so this man that is slow to anger and this man that controls his spirit or controls his mind, his heart, his emotions, and he does not let them get the better of him and he always makes a choice 
choice with a clear head and a wise mind, and he does not rush to attack or rush to uh, avenge himself. He waits upon the Lord, and it says that that is much better than being physically strong. That's much better than having a uh, city and taking it city and having the control of all of the city with all of the strong men that have joined together with a band to take the city. It's better to rule your own spirit. And we see the importance then that we follow after the Lord, that we are patient, that we are slow to anger, that we are following after him, that we are merciful and kind and forgiving. And then in verse 33, there's a comparison between the lot that is cast into the lap and the disposing thereof. And so this lot Sometimes people would use this lot because it would be fair. Instead of trying to uh, fight one another for something, or instead of somebody trying to argue and say, this is mine, no, it's mine, then they could just cast a lot, and whoever would take uh, win the lot could be able to take the, the thing, whatever it was, to him. Or you see that the Urim or the Thummim, the things that were used almost like two-sided coins or two-sided objects, they were used to know the Lord's will and whatever question that the priest would bring before the Lord. And so we see that the apostles, they would use some lots and when they were selecting men of good report and good renown to be and fill the 12th apostles position of Judas. And so uh, the two men that they chose, they qualified all of them by choosing two men that had been with them and been with Jesus through all, out, all of his ministry up to that point. But then they let the Lord choose by casting a lot and letting the Lord dispose thereof what the result was going to be and who the Lord would choose of those two men. And so we see here that a man can cast a lot. A man can try to put all of his effort into something that he is choosing to do and should try to attain as much as he can, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. The results are of the Lord. The victory or defeat on the field of a battlefield is of the Lord. And so we see that we must trust in the Lord first. We must always be seeking him in prayer and listening to the leading of his Holy Spirit in our lives, because only he truly knows what way something is going to go. Now, turning to the book of Acts, we're going to read from chapter 7 tonight, verses 30 through 50. And it said, And when forty years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai uh, an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight. And as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled, and durst not behold. Then said the Lord to him, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people which is in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and am come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send thee into Egypt. This Moses, whom they refused, saying, who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. And he brought them out after that he had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness forty years. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in Mount Sinai, and with our fathers, who received the lively oracles to give unto us, to whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them, and in their hearts turned back again into Egypt, saying unto Aaron, Make us gods.
tribes to go before us. For as for this Moses, which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, and offered sacrifice unto the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Then God turned, and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets, O ye house of Israel, have ye offered to me slain beasts and sacrifices by the space of forty years in the wilderness? Yea, ye took up the tabernacle of Moloch, and the star of your god Remphan, Figures which ye made to worship them, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness, as he had appointed, speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen, which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers unto the days of David, who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob, but Solomon built him in a house. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will ye be build me, saith the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hand made all these things? Here in this second part of, of Acts chapter 7, we see that Stephen is preaching unto the Sanhedrin, unto the elders and the council of elders of the Jews in Jerusalem. And he's preaching to them how Moses had been rejected by the people of Israel at the beginning. And he went and he fled into Midian for 40 years. And he was there keeping sheep and serving under his father-in-law Jethro out there until God came and he sought him, and he found him, and called unto him, and told him that I am sending you to the people of Egypt to deliver them. You are going to be a deliverer. You're going to be a prophet. You're going to speak uh, to the people in the ways that I shall speak to you to speak unto them. And this very Moses that they had rejected, then the Lord sent back to them to deliver them out of Egypt. And this is very important because uh, Stephen here is making the comparison between Moses and the the establishment of Moses and of the Levitical laws and even then later of the temple and he's comparing the people uh, and the Jewish people today to the Jewish people back in the days of Moses who rejected Moses at first and he then after this uh, section that we're going to read today he's going to command them to be like the ones that repented and turned and followed after God by following God's man that he called which was Moses but he also makes note of those that rejected Moses even after they saw all the miracles of God working in their lives who told Aaron saying unto him make us gods to go before us and they made a calf and God rebuked that worship, the worship of Moloch and of Remphan and of idols and of things made with their own hands and said and warned them and did follow through then that he would carry them away beyond Babylon when uh, the nation of Israel would continually worship after other false gods, all these idols, these things made with their own hands and worship devils. And so God exiled them, but then brought them back into the land after they they turned and repented once again and followed after him. And so he's making note of all of these things while he's preaching and while he's giving an answer to this council that had asked him about the claims that people were making falsely about him, that he was preaching that the temple would be destroyed and that Jesus would come and destroy the temple again. 
and that they were preaching against all of the law of Moses. But he is reminding them that Moses did everything that the Lord commanded him to do. He even built a tabernacle after the the type and the fashion that the Lord had showed him, which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers unto the days of David. And this is a reference directly back to Joshua, which has the same Greek name as the Lord Jesus does as well, and referring to how Joshua brought in the tabernacle into the promised land with all of their fathers, uh, the ancestors that they had that brought in with Joshua and conquered the promised land until the days of David, who found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And David wanted to build him a house, but it was Solomon, his son, that actually built the house because the Lord chose Solomon to build him the house. But none of these places, not the tabernacle that Moses had made or the one that Solomon had made when he had built the temple of God, the first temple, none of them hold God because God dwells not in an earth house he dwells in his own house in the heavens and not even the heavens the space and outer space and all of the universe could actually hold God God says that the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool what house will ye build me there's nothing that you can build that could possibly even contain the Lord that he could actually come in to dwell in then Stephen is reminding them of something very important that hath not my hand made all these things God is declaring and has declared that God himself has made everything he's made the very stones that were used to create the first temple and the current temple that they were being claimed that Jesus was going to destroy or his disciples were going to destroy. God has made the entire earth. God has made all of the heavens. And now Stephen has set up his argument that the Jews that were even before him, those that were rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, had rejected him as their forefathers had rejected Moses, the man sent by God. And that the temple that they had built was something built with the very creation that God had created. And it was his prerogative, God's, whether he would continue to establish that temple or not. But the son that he had sent was so much more important than the temple. And so Stephen is going to turn this now tomorrow to argue that they should listen, that they should repent, and they should turn to the Lord God by turning to his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should do that today as well. Friend, let's turn to the Lord Jesus, whether that's in prayer as his sons and daughters, as those that have been saved and sealed unto the day of redemption by him, or as those that are not saved yet. If you are not saved, then turn to the Lord Jesus. Repent and admit, admit that you are a sinner, that you deserve to die, to go to hell in your sins, but that he has paid that price already, and you do not need to pay the price because it has been paid and that you freely accept the payment that he made for your sins and pray and ask him to be your Lord and save you and to take you to heaven and then make him the Lord of your life. Study the words that he has given you to know 
the will of the Lord God and how he wants us to live this life by showing others how they can be saved and how to follow after the Lord in obedience. Thank you, friends, for studying the word of God with me today. I truly hope it has been a blessing for you. If you have any praises, prayer requests, questions, or anything, please send them to me. I'd love to hear from you at wwgcaleb at gmail.com. That's wwgcaleb at gmail.com. I'll be sure to look for those and to pray with you for them. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow for the next Walk With God podcast.